Welcome back to Fantasyland, the only fantasy football podcast where we talk about what the experts won't be. I'm Michael Fimafredo, your host, and this is our second episode. And last week we talked about how different this season is going to be from years past. You know, we talked about the 17-game season, just a lot of shakeup at the top, a lot of uncertainty going into the year on high-valued players. And like any other year, free agency is something that's going to shake up the fantasy landscape. You got superstars on the move. You got big trades. You got big drafted players that are going to come in and really make an impact, which we talked a lot about last year. But for today's episode, I really wanted to break down five teams that I really think we should take a deep dive into before the season really gets underway. And we're going to get started pretty quickly. This might be a little bit of a longer episode. I got a lot of notes here. So let's see, hopefully I don't go on a lot of tangents and ramble for a little bit like I'm doing right now, I guess. But we'll start off with talking about some quarterbacks that I think are going to elevate their teams around them. And starting off with a bang, I think this is one of the first real major moves that happened this offseason. And that's the Los Angeles Rams doing a quarterback swap with the Detroit Lions, getting Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. Now, Matt Stafford's an interesting guy because... Everyone knows his situation with the Lions was awful, yet he was still a good enough quarterback to be drafted in that QB9, QB10 like range, so around where someone in a 10-12 man league would be taking their starting quarterback. And he's always drafted that high, but he always disappoints the owners. Last year, he finished as the 15th best quarterback in terms of fantasy points. Don't think he really missed that much time. I believe there was that one game... He got taken out in the first quarter against the Bucks, and it was just a mess. But definitely disappointed or was finished lower than his expectations were. So for that reason, I think fantasy owners are starting to not trust Matthew Stafford in a sense. You know, he's getting up there in age. I believe he's around 31, 32 years of age, which is a little bit past the prime of a really solid quarterback. I think maybe at the tail end of the prime. But if you take him this year as your QB1, if you're waiting for a quarterback, you're stacking up your backs and receivers, you're hitting a home run with Matthew Stafford. You know, the Rams are an interesting team because their defense for the past few years under Sean McVay has always been electric. Aaron Donald's just been a favorite for Defensive Player of the Year every single season. And But when this team has an offense with a superstar like Todd Gurley a few years ago, they made the Super Bowl. That team made Jared Goff look like a star quarterback, a franchise guy. And Matt Stafford is just miles better than Jared Goff will ever be. And this offense even isn't that bad. I mean, you got pretty much the same supporting cast coming around. Cam Akers, I believe now looking at some ADPs early on, he's going to be first-round potential, maybe late early second, if anything. But he's got that top-tier RB1 potential. And depending on how many touches Daryl Henderson gets, I think Cam Akers really solidified himself as that guy towards the end of last season and should be drafted as such. You got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higbee, all really have starter potential. Even Deshaun Jackson, if you want to take a flyer on him as a flex, depending on how the season goes. We know uh, uh, Matt Stafford's got one of the best arms in the league, and Deshaun Jackson, even at... BAG is now is still one of the best deep threats, so we could see them going deep. But on Woods and Cup, you know, these guys could both be top 20 wide receivers this season. 
with Matthew Stafford's help. And I believe they should be drafted as such. So don't be surprised if Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both gone by that sixth or seventh round. That's even a little low in some leagues. But, this, you know, the Rams, they're still very reliant on their defense. They have a much better offense this year. And at the start of last season, after week one, I called the Rams were going to be a sleeper team. They ended up making the playoffs, upsetting the Seattle Seahawks, and then later falling. But they definitely put up a great fight, and I do think this team is on the rise and could really make an impact in the real season and the fantasy season as well. Moving on, though, to a team, another team I feel like that's on the rise, just got it younger at quarterback, though, instead of getting older. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, who traded for Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. Now, this might be my USC or my New York Jets bias kicking in, but I really like Sam Darnold this season. I think he's one of the best outside-the-pocket throwers in the league. I think he's got the playmaker potential. He still makes a lot of mistakes, but I believe that was just because he needed to. Uh, the team was down. They needed time to really get out of the pocket and him from to make the big play, but the receivers just weren't that good. So I feel like when you throw him in some weapons, maybe a better offensive line, he's actually moving up from having the 31st best off the 31st, which is so second best, second worst offensive line in the league, to now 18th according to Pro Football Focus. So right there, you get a little bit of an upgrade, not anything completely major, but definitely moving from that lower tier into that lower mid. So definitely could make an impact. But you also got Christian McCaffrey in that locker room. He should really be the unanimous number one across all leagues this year. So nothing else much said about him. I think he's fully healed from his ankle injury, his shoulder injury, so he should be top of drafts, going to get a lot of looks from Darnold, definitely as a quarterback who hasn't really had a guy to really check down to or make plays in the backfield. You got Robbie Anderson, who's going to play in that wide receiver two role, and even at like the 25th best receiver last year in fantasy, he was a Darnold favorite in New York throughout his career. He played two seasons with him. But both seasons, he was the number one option. I really like Robbie Anderson pairing with Sam Darnold again. And you even have to pair him with DJ Moore, who was the wide receiver 17 last year, and rookie out of LSU, Terrence Marshall Jr., who put on a show at his pro day this year. I think he's going to have a substantially better team around him than he did in New York this year. That's Sam Darnold. Will you draft Sam Darnold? I don't think so. Maybe in a two-quarterback league, you might give him a look. I think he's definitely a solid backup option or a guy that, if you're not really sure on your QB1, you take him rounds 12 to 14 as a filler guy and hope for the best, really. But in terms of his team, Christian McCaffrey, safe option. You got your RB1 if you're drafted number one overall. The wide receivers, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, I think they got the potential to break where they are in their ADP, definitely what they're going to be ranked at the beginning of the season. So we talked about the quarterbacks. Now we got to move on to some skill position players. And some big names were on the move this season. And we'll start off with the biggest. And finally, at least somebody gets what they've been asking for in terms of a trade. That was Julio Jones, who was traded from the Atlanta Falcons to 
one of the best offenses in the league last year, a playoff team in the Tennessee Titans. And, yeah, basically, I'm just glad, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson both asked for trades this year. Julio Jones maybe even a be- like a playing a bigger role in his team's offense and success. Or just to that extent, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson really revolve around that team. But Julio Jones on the Atlanta Falcons was a huge position to have. I mean, if you look at what they did with him on the field versus without, they really took a step back this season, and I think it was just time for Julio to go. They need to rebuild. But they bring him into the Tennessee Titans locker room, and it just takes the pressure off of everyone else. You know, Ryan Tannehill, who's been a – a solid quarterback, not in terms of fantasy, really. He's in and out of the starting lineups in most leagues. Uh, he's going to get a throw-it-and-pray guy. And what I mean by that is, when in doubt, you just find Julio on the field, give him a look, he might catch it. And oftentimes than not, Julio's going to make that catch. So you'll see Tannehill's points go up just from that, really. Derrick Henry now isn't the only guy on the team that's a playmaker, you know, he's going to be taking people out of the box and onto the out wide to face off against these two very good receivers, uh, Julio. And we're talking about AJ Brown on the other end, who was very good for me last season in terms of fantasy, definitely stepped up as a, a flex option or wide receiver two when I had bye weeks. Uh, but just going into this season, I could see him having the similar success as Calvin Ridley did. You know, Calvin Ridley finished as the wide receiver four last year because he wasn't facing that number one receiver and he wasn't getting all the looks like A.J. Brown was on this team. And a little spoiler alert for our later segment, uh, Calvin Ridley, I'm going to drop a, really like just a, just some break some news to you, I guess, sir, on what he's what his outlook is for this season. But going back to the Tennessee Titans, I think if Julio Jones stays healthy, this Titans are a fantasy offense that you're going to love. You know, you got four guys that really couldn't make a play in any given week. I think Tannehill has the potential to be a low-end starter. I think uh, A.J. Brown... Julio Jones should be in lineups every week. And, of course, you're going to start Derrick Henry, the Offensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, keep keep an eye on this Tennessee Titans offense this season. That's all I really could say. On the other hand, you might want to think twice about this next one. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals brought in two big, big names in the fantasy world. They got wide receiver A.J. Green and running back James Conner. So... I see these names, A.J. Green, you know, when I first started playing fantasy football way back when, he was a guy that was drafted in the first, second, third round every single year for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then James Conner, you know, he came on, cancer survivor, amazing story, out of pit, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, became the starter there, put on a show when he was on the field, but injuries kind of derailed him a little bit. So these guys, big names, but how well can they stay on the field? And we'll start with James Conner because I just mentioned how he's a little bit of an injury-prone player. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to see James Conner's name, know that the Arizona Cardinals got rid of Kenyon Drake this offseason, and they're going to think, you know, he's a guy that's gotten me fantasy points in the past. He doesn't have really much competition. 
I I need a I need a guy that's going to be a bell cow back. I'm going to take James Conner. And with that said, you know, there's always that casual fan in the league that's going to do that, but that casual fan's not worried about Chase Edmonds at all. And Chase Edmonds, when Kenyon Drake was out last year with injuries, he proved he can be a starter in real life and in fantasy lineups. So I think this is more of instead of James Conner taking that starting role right away, he's going to have to split time with Chase Edmonds. And Chase Edmonds could really be the starting running back in this system, and James Conner could see the lesser of the carries. Uh, but with that said, I might end up drafting James Conner just for that bell cow upside. I think he's a very good flex piece if he becomes that starting running back and Chase Edmonds is really only seeing work on third downs, maybe when James Conner gets tired. But I'm tempering expectations. If he can slide to me very, very late in drafts, and I'm talking second half of drafts, like eighth or ninth round, uh, I think you take a flyer on James Conner. I don't think you take him because he's a, a guy that could potentially be a starting running back in this league. I could see him as like a nice flex piece or bye week replacement if he's got a good matchup. But d definitely temper expectations if he's got a good fall, a good training camp, and a good preseason. And if his ADP kind, kind of drops just because he's James Conner. Now, A.J. Green, complete opposite. He's definitely washed. He's 32 years old. Can't stay on the field. We see glimpses of him, and when he's on the field, he's not great. Uh, he's not going to be the wide receiver one. That definitely belongs to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And honestly, I think he's really a wide receiver four on this team. You know, Christian Kirk, much younger. Andy Isabella, great slot guy, definitely has the speed to play that position. And then you got a 32-year-old A.J. Green. So I'd really, if you're considering taking the second or third guy in Arizona at the wide receiver position, I'm taking... Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella over A.J. Green. Let, like I said, let the casual fan do his work. There's always that one guy in the league that's going to see A.J. Green. Oh, I remember him five years ago. Let me take him. He's still probably good, right? But then again, even with going back to James Conner, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, A.J. Green, according to the to NFL's Instagram, Larry Fitzgerald's still on the team. I thought he retired last season. But I'd take the only guys I really trust in this offense are Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. If you're in a deeper league, maybe you go Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. Like I said, if James Conner falls past the second half of the draft, like that seventh or eighth round drop, uh, you might look to him. But Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, only guys I'm really going to focus on in this offense. And finally, just to end off on a really, really confusing note, the New England Patriots made some moves to their offense this season, and they just got even more confusing because who knows what Bill Belichick's cooking up. You got Cam Newton signed another contract with them. He's still going to be the starter. I don't know if they're ready to start Mac Jones, but we could see a switch up midseason. And like I was saying last week with the uh, Trey Lances and the Justin Fields, who's going to probably come in around week four or five, we'll get to see that, but... These guys can really shake up an offense in terms of who's the number one guy, how much do they run the ball afterwards, who's getting most of the snaps, who's what about the tight ends, like the wide receivers, who's the number one, who's the go-to guy with these new quarterbacks?
who were playing second uh, second team all year reps in, in camp and in practice. So Cam Newton, if he starts all year, might be a little bit more clarity, but if Mac Jones comes in, everything could get thrown off. You got Damian Harris at the running back position who kind of solidified himself as a starter last year, but you know how you can't trust Bill Belichick and his running backs. You're still going to have a mix of Sony Michelle, while not to the same extent, but James White is still there. Getting a little bit older, but definitely still a reliable pass catcher and a guy that Belichick likes. They also, in free agency, added not one, but two very good pass-catching tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. I don't think we're at the same point where uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez were when they were the two guys in New England, but in terms of the offense that they're running, but with two guys at the tight end position, which is very thin to begin with, even though Cam Newton loves his tight ends, look at how Greg Olson did back in Carolina, uh, who's going to be the guy that he goes to the most? Because I think in this day and age, you can't have a fantasy offense that supports two tight ends. I think you go one or the other. If not, I think they're both guys that you won't be starting at all. They might be just touchdown dependent. But Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, I definitely think if the, if the tight end position is very thin, you give them a look. I'd go John U. Smith just because Hunter Henry might not stay on the field. But who, who are you going to trust? And I think that's just going to be a waiting game. I do love, though, I love the Nelson Aguilar pickup for them. I think he revived his career. This might be just a USC bias again. But he revived his career with the Raiders last season as a deep threat. You know, I ended up picking him and having him on my bench in a few leagues just in case I needed him. But New England last year had a problem with their receiving core as well. You know, Demir Bird was really their number one guy, and he wasn't even that special. Uh, Nikhil Harry, the guy they drafted a few years back, he hasn't panned out, had similar problems to Aguilar earlier in his career with drops. But Nelson Aguilar might come in as the number one receiver in this offense. And, you know, he was known for drops early on in his career. But would Belichick take a guy knowing that he has a problem catching the football and if he didn't trust him? I do like him as a flex, though, with wide receiver two upside. And I'm going to stick with that. I think he's going to be a late-round afterthought for most people. I think if you're going to look into this New England offense, Nelson Aguilar is the guy you want to own. Damian Harris, similar, and if your PPR league is just ridiculous, maybe over a point per reception, James White's another guy that'll be on most rosters. And just to end off the show, I said this one would be a little bit longer. I have some studs and duds. Now, for studs, this, this is a very, uh, I guess, kind of relaxed term in terms of studs and duds. For studs, I basically have guys that you know, they might be drafted a little low after what we've seen in recent years from them. And Duds, I think these are guys that will still be, you know, suitable options. But on it, you're just going to have to temper your expectations for them. And you'll see why when I get to them. But we'll start off on the high note with the Studs. And I'm going to go with a rookie here, Najee Harris, out at the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a first-round draft pick for a reason. And he's going to a team with a great offensive line. And I think Najee Harris, we saw it at Alabama. He was their go-to guy, got most of the touches. He was drafted to be the bell cow back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
They got rid of James Conner this offseason. I don't even know who else is left in that backfield. But there's... I'm going to give you a little bit of a hot take here. I think Najee Harris may be drafted in like the third or fourth round, but he's a guy with high RB1 high RB1 potential. I think, yeah, we'll talk about this in a later episode, but this is a league now that's become running back by committee. And I just think we're getting to a point where there's only just so few guys that can really be a bell cow in this league. And Najee Harris could definitely be one of them. And another guy I think so, a second-year player running back, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's my second stud of this year. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the Kansas City Chiefs, he he burned a lot of drafters last year, you know. A lot of experts were telling you, you know, take him at late first-round pick, he's going to get a lot of touches, he's going to get great runner of the football, he's going to do phenomenal in Kansas City. And he really just didn't pan out. You know, he was still getting starts, but teams that drafted him honestly missed the playoffs in most leagues. They weren't winning that much just because they didn't have that guy where they could have taken Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins or even Tyreek Hill in the same offense with their first overall, with their first round pick. So I think for that reason, many people are going to stay away from him this year. Maybe he falls to the third or fourth rounds, like where Najee Harris will get picked. But this is a strategy that I see every year. You know, you got two or three guys in your league looking to do this same strategy where you take a player that didn't have the best season last year, so he obviously falls, and you're hoping for the best with that guy. You're not going to. You're drafting him at an RB2 position, really, to maybe be your RB1 guy if your first guy goes down or he doesn't pan out. But we'll see. I think he's another guy, bell cow, for the league's best offense. And if he has, if he works himself this, this offseason, if he comes in with a good camp, I think he's a guy to watch out for, and he should be taken a little higher off than his ADP will be. And finally, for the studs, I got Carson Wentz, at quarterback. He's getting a fresh start in Indianapolis. He's going to be back with uh, head coach Frank Reich, who when he was the offensive coordinator in Philly, uh, Carson Wentz almost won a Super Bowl. The big thing with Carson Wentz, though, is obviously the injuries. And we saw him not do great with Philly the past few seasons, but their receiving core was just awful. You know, guys couldn't hold on to the football. Guys couldn't stay healthy. I think he's got a much better supporting cast in Indianapolis. And just like Matthew Stafford, I think he's going to be a guy, you pick him late in your drafts. Like right when most of the guys have taken their starter and you've just been stocking up on other positions and you need a guy, I think Stafford, Carson Wentz, they both fall in that range. You're just going to have to keep hope he stays healthy. Now on to the duds, and I'll start off with the biggest one, I think, this season, and that's Calvin Ridley. This is All right, this is a little bit of a disclaimer here because Calvin Ridley, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. I still think he could be a wide receiver one, but maybe on the lower end than some people would think because without – Julio Jones last season, Julio only played nine games, so on the seven he was, uh, 
I, I, Calvin Ridley put on put up similar stats every single game. You know, they, they were good stats, I mean, but with Julio off the field, he had like one more catch, maybe 10 more yards per game. Uh, he actually had less of a chance to score a touchdown in those nine games than he did with Julio on the field. And I think that's just a result of uh, Julio not being there. Uh, he's drawing the best cornerback. He's drawing help over the top with the safeties. Kyle Pitts might take those safeties away, but you still got to watch out for him because who, who else are they guarding on this team? Russell Gage. The running back room has Mike Davis in it, but that's still up in the air right now. So there's nobody really worth noting that's going to take away uh, touches, but also going to take away the top safety or the top corner from guarding Calvin Ridley that this year. So I think with a lot more focus on Ridley, defenses are going to really play harder with Ridley, and you're just going to see him not put up the numbers he did last year. Like I said, he was wide receiver four last year, so even if he falls to maybe the 10th or in the 10 to 12 range this season, that's still a little bit of a dud because you're drafting him to be your top wide receiver one, and you want him to be a top five guy at that position. But I just don't see it happening this season without that number one weapon in Julio Jones. Now I'm going to go with Joe Mixon because this is a guy that's going to get way overdrafted, I feel. And it happens every year with Joe Mixon because he's that bell cow back. Uh, you know, nobody, they got rid of Gio Bernard, so there's nobody really to take the touches away. I saw a guy, Puka Williams Jr., I think would be that second guy in the backfield. He's a rookie this season. Uh, but bell cow backs are in high demand, and the casual fan's going to see Joe Mixon with nobody else behind him on that running back roster. And think this guy's going to be great. He's going to get all the touches. He's going to get the ball every single time. Uh, and yes, that's true. That's going to happen. But the Bengals did nothing really to upgrade their offensive line this season. Joe Burrow's coming back from a gruesome injury. Joe Mixon's another guy that really can't stay on the field. So even if you pick him as your RB2, he's gonna be, he might turn out to be a solid option. But he's gonna, you're gonna way overdraft him. He's gonna, he has the chance to be out a bunch of games, and that's not what you're looking for in an RB two. That's what you're kind of looking for in a rotating flex player. So, I haven't been able to trust Joe Mixon for years since I had him on my team a few years back, and he pretty much did this. He underperformed for because of a bad O line. He missed a bunch of games, and I was struggling to find that solid RB two in him. And I had to move him down to like my flex or just play a weak RB2. And finally, an RB2 in real life to end off our studs and duds segment, uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's an interesting player because he finished as the number 10 running back this past season. He was also in the best rushing offense and had Nick Chubb, who finished at number 9 this season, missing 6 or 7 games, something around that. But... When they're both in the lineup together, it was Nick Chubb who's really getting a majority of the carries. Kareem Hunt's really just there as the third down guy. He would get goal line carries, which kind of made me annoyed when I had Nick Chubb on my team. But first, second down, they don't get it. They don't punch it in with Hunt. They bring in Nick Chubb and he'll get it. 
So I see. I think when you look at the numbers from last season, uh, check the stats of fantasy points with Kareem Hunt. The games in like weeks three to ten, in that range when Nick Chubb was out or just coming back, Nick uh, Kareem Hunt was phenomenal. Then once Nick Chubb finally got back into his groove, right past the bye week, it was all Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt became a touchdown dependent player. Uh, barring injury, though, I think you're going to see less of Kareem Hunt this year and a lot more of Nick Chubb. And that's why I think Nick Chubb could slide into that first round, even though he isn't already. Uh, and with that said, it's not worth taking Kareem Hunt as the handcuff to him because his draft position is going to be so high after the year he had last season. So those are just some guys, you know, they could have a great year. They're definitely superstars in the league that are going to play play really well but in terms of fantasy they might disappoint you and i'd shy away from drafting them uh speaking of drafts uh that's going to be it for today's show uh next week we're going to actually be doing a blind mock draft so i haven't really looked at any adps any uh mock drafts that have been done already but we're going to sit down do a simulator and see the team that we muster up see how we do and the first one just around 70 days until the season kicks off. But that's going to do it for me. Remember, follow us on Instagram, on Spotify. That's going to be at Coast to Coast Sports. Our Instagram, C Sports MF. And once again, this is Fantasyland, the only show uh, where we talk about the things that the experts don't. Uh, I'm Michael Fumafredo signing off, and we'll see you next week.